You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1163 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Friday evening to break down what became a nice win for the Hawks for the third straight victory for Atlanta. A final score of 110 to 108. It got a little bit dicey, let's just say, in the fourth quarter of this game as the Hawks had a pretty tough fourth quarter. But they had a lead big enough to withstand all of that. They had a couple lucky breaks in the final seconds, and they escaped with the victory. And, by the way, a couple headlines here at the uh, at the outset. This is the first time all season that Clint Capella, Anika Kongwu, and DeAndre Hunter have played in the same game. One more time, that is the Hawks' three best defenders, Capella, Kongwu, and Hunter, playing for the first time all season long in the same game. So that's worth noting. The Hawks trailed by eight, actually, in the first quarter, ended up turning it around, leading by nine points. Then they led by 15 points with under eight minutes to go, up 11 with under four minutes to go. They almost gave it up, but we were able to hold on and get this third straight victory. And that, with the win, I should say, they improved to 20 and 25 and now 500 at home this season, which is not going to be anything to write home about. When you lose 9, 10 games in a row at home, to be 11 and 11 is not so bad at the end of the day. So we'll get into all the uh, action as we always do on the podcast. And also thank you for making this podcast your first listen each and every day. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we'll get into the pregame now where this is kind of a rest-neutral game. Both teams played Wednesday. The Hawks, of course, have home court in Atlanta. Um, the Heat had some different injuries than they had last time. They had not been 100% against the Hawks in any of these games. Of course, they won the first two last week, but no Kyle Lowry or Tyler Hero in this game for Miami or Markeith Morris as well. Uh, but they did have Bam Adebayo back after he missed the first two games against the Hawks, and Jimmy Butler played and uh, had some interesting moments along the way. On the Hawks' side, they were a little bit healthier in this game than they have been for a while. Capella ended up coming back after being listed as questionable with the ankle stuff. He's missed six games in a row before this. Gorky Jang was active, did not play, but was at least active. And then Gallinari missed the game, actually, with Achilles soreness, um, which prompted Kevin Knox into the rotation a little bit. And also Bogdanovich was ruled out on the initial injury report on Thursday. McMillan said he's, he's been feeling a little bit better. Does not seem particularly close, though, to coming back. So we're all guessing at that point in time. And um, with Capella coming back, he was restricted on minutes which McMillan said, and uh, as you might know, following the Hawks this season and really the entire McMillan era, they've not been very forthcoming with how many minutes guys are actually allowed when they're restricted. So Capella didn't start. It was a Kongwu. Uh, if you missed anything from Wednesday's podcast, McMillan was very clear that Capella is the starter. So I'm not making too much of that whatsoever because he was restricted. And at the end of the game when they were closing, it was Capella at center, which is not a huge surprise to me, but uh, worth pointing out along the way here. Um, all of that out of the way, this is basically a coin flip game. The Hawks were a narrow favorite, according to BetOnline.ag, our sponsor on the podcast. Hawks favored by one and a half points at home, which basically means that even without Hero and Lowry, the Hawks and Heat were viewed as very similar teams with the Hawks having the uh, the bump of home court. So all that said, they, of course, win the game. We'll, we'll talk about how they did it right now. So at the outset of this contest, as I mentioned before, kind of a slow start for the Hawks in some respects. A couple of nice threes early on to on both sides, actually. But Kongu had some foul trouble at the outset, had two fouls in the first four minutes or so. 
Capella came in immediately for him. And the second one of those was on a three-pointer where Okongo was actually struggled with that this season, fouling three-point shooters, kind of just being out of control and showing off some of his uh, – he's not a rookie anymore, but he's not played a full season in the NBA at this point in time and kind of had those moments along the way. Um, they called timeout down five mid-quarter. Actually, had a pretty pretty bad breakdown with Gabe Vincent in an open three right before that for Miami. But they had a nice 11-2 run from there. Trey Young got going a little bit, was pretty aggressive to start this game. Uh, rotationally, they went with Capella early for a Kongu, as noted before. Uh, DeLon Wright was the first and most prominent perimeter sub in this game, playing alongside Trae Young all the way. They used Kevin Knox as the backup four, so he's moved ahead of TLC, at least in that role. Um, and as I said, I think on Twitter today, I had a couple people mention this to me when the trade happened, but um, Nick's observers that I say I trust, I'm not going to name them just because of uh, all that stuff, but people that I think uh, are smart about basketball that watch a lot more than the Knicks than I do, I think that Knox's best role right now in the NBA is as a four. He's been, he was kind of drafted as one of those big wing types, but I think he's more of a four at this point in time, and that's what the Hawks have been using him at in his limited time so far. Um, also, no full bench units in this game. They used Kevin Herter to bridge both times. Also, they had Capella in the game, so it's not even really a bench unit anyway, but um, at, at minimum, they did not ever go with the five-in, five-out lineup, and the Hawks only played nine guys, which is worth noting. No, no Gorgie Jang, no TLC, and no Skylar Mays of the guys who were active. Also, Jalen Johnson and Trey Cooper were in College Park on Friday playing at the G League Elite, so keep that in mind as well. Um, the Hawks led, led, actually ended up leading the game by one at the end of the first quarter. They set their season high in field goal percentage for any quarter, 72% from the floor in the opening period. They scored almost a point and a half for possession, which is absolutely elite. Um, 10 assists, two turnovers in the first quarter. Young and Collins were both good at the outset. Defensively, they had some issues, but still up by one despite some shaky defense because, again, 72% shooting will cure a lot of ills. Um, in the second quarter, the Hawks actually scored about the first five points, up by six. I thought DeLon Wright was awesome in his first stint. He had five assists in his first um, time on the floor. Got into the teeth of defense a few, a few different times. Made some jump shots. Was very, very good, as he has been for most of the season. Uh, Miami, though, did respond. Got it back to one, at one pretty quickly after that. They actually went to a very weird young Williams-Wright lineup, three-point guards. I will say, um, people that know me probably know that I didn't love that lineup, but it wasn't the worst time in the world for it because Miami was playing extremely small. In fact, there were some weird lineups in this game from the Hawks. Almost, it seemed to be directly in response to Miami. We'll get into one later on when they actually ended up playing Capella and Kongu together because it was very clear why. Um, if, you, if you watch Miami's lineup in that game and also the foul trouble the Hawks were having, but um, they went to that three-point guard lineup twice. I don't love it, but at least it was defensible given the opponent and situation that the Hawks were in. In this game, but they had a nice 7-0 run mid-quarter to go by 8. Lou Williams has been better recently. He had some juice in that run. Had a nice layup in the uh, open floor. Um, also, the Hawks led by 10 briefly after that. Akongwu then had to come out again with his third foul. All kinds of foul trouble throughout this game. A lot of it was Colin in the second half, but Colin won the first half. But they had a nice run late in the first half. A 16-3 overall push to go to go up by one to up by 14. Um, a big call, though, was with about 20 seconds to go in the first half. Colin got his third foul, and that plagued them the rest of the way as he was not able to stay on the floor for long stretches. But still... Hawks up nine at the break after even even after Miami scored the last five points of the first half and uh, really good across the board on offense. Um, 60% shooting from the floor, 8 of 19 from three, 16 assists, four turnovers, good, some good shot profile stuff, as many shots at the rim as they did in the mid-range, got to the line a bunch, lots of good stuff. Uh, Collins had 13 points and seven shots. Trey had 15 points on good efficiency in the first half, so very, very good. First half um, for Atlanta, particularly on offense. Defensively, it was pretty solid overall. They forced some turnovers in the second quarter and held Miami shooters largely in check to kind of build that lead. And that gave the Hawks some optimism moving forward. Obviously, there is a lot more to get into for this game. But um, 
we'll kind of touch on this in a second as sort of a tease into the second segment of the podcast. But for three quarters, um, and especially in the first two quarters, the Hawks were playing very, very well on offense. And uh, that doesn't all go out the window with the shaky fourth quarter, which we'll try to put in context in a second. But really a nice, encouraging sign, in my opinion, to come out and do that offensively. Yes, the Heat were without two of their creators on the perimeter. But defensively, Miami is always very well-schooled. They are very well-coached. And, um, you know, that was good to see the Hawks kind of take it to them uh, aggressively and not back down after a couple of losses to the same Heat team last week. All right, before we get to the second half of this podcast, also the second half of this game, we'll get to our uh, sponsors on today's show, and the first of which is BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, I'd like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. BetOnline.ag remains the number one spot for all the sports wagering action for 2022. And with the new year, we have new updated desktop and mobile websites to sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's 50% extra cash on your first deposit if you use the promo code Locked On to get started. With football, basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, golf, tennis, auto racing, and much, much more, do not wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available at BetOnline.ag for 2022. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports action. And again, 50% welcome bonus with BetOnline.ag if you use the promo code LOCKEDON to get started. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, we'll dive into the second half now. And the Heat did lose P.J. Tucker during halftime. Missed the second half with a knee issue. That's notable because he's one of their better defenders for sure. But Boston had a nice start to the third quarter. They had the first four points. Got by 13 points. Um, Miami did react a little bit with a 6-0 run of their own. And they kind of settled the Hawks did against a big lineup for the Heat. Especially without Tucker, they, they went huge, basically. Miami went with um, Omar at 7 and... Bam Adebayo. So basically playing two centers. Like Bam is kind of power forward-ish, but he's definitely more of a center at this point in his career. And uh, that was notable because the Hawks, after Collins got his fourth foul, it was a pretty soft call. Honestly, could have been challenged by Nate. He didn't do that. Um, they went with the Kongwu at the four with Capella, which never happens. And even Nate noted that after the game. But I think it was pretty clearly in direct response to Miami playing two centers. I don't think that the Hawks would have done that had they had a normal lineup, I would say, for the Heat on the floor at the same time. They got away with it. Actually played pretty well with that, with that group. The lack of spacing didn't kill them because Miami didn't have a lot of space in their own right. And the Hawks perimeter guys played well in that stretch. I wouldn't beg on that happening too often. Nick kind of referenced the situation and all that stuff without Gallinari, etc. If Gallo's available, they don't do that at that point. They would have gone to Gallo um, pretty clearly, but still worth uh, noting that they, at least he's willing to do it in a certain similar circumstances. So uh, notable, let's just say. Um, from there, the Hawks got down, actually the league went down to four because they had some turnover issues. They had four turnovers in the first five minutes of the third quarter, and that was an issue the entire second half, honestly. The Hawks usually are absolutely elite in ball security. They're top one or two in the league in turnover rate this year. But second half, it was a problem, let's just say. But there was a nice response back from that. A 11-2 push by the Hawks to go back up by 13. Some threes by Trey and Kevin Herter. And then a three-point play by DeAndre Hunter. Trey was really good in that stretch. Had a couple buckets uh, in terms of assists as well to both Herter and Hunter. He was chirping with Bam Adebayo pretty notably. And also, I'll talk about this later as well. I think Trey's defense was really good in this game. Like, that doesn't mean he was like him, Gary Payton in his prime. But Trey's... Activity level was good. He was attentive defensively. The um, intensity level was really good. So if you're looking for what Trey can be defensively, maybe not every single night, but a lot of the nights, this is what the high end looks like where he's just a, a genuine solid option defensively and he's active. And this is Trey's limitations for sure, but it was good to see him kind of dial in. Um, rotationally, very similar in the second half, honestly. They got Capella out when uh, Miami went smaller again to kind of wave, uh, go with him at that two-big lineup. They used Kevin Knox for a second stint again. He was not great, but had some moments along the way. They went to went to Lou again, and Capella, um, again, still has a nine-man rotation in this game for the Hawks. They led, they led by as many as 18 points late in the third and led by uh, 14 at the end of the third quarter. 
a technical foul on Eric, on Eric Spolstra at the end of the third quarter, and Trey had five straight points at the line to close that period. And through three quarters, they had four guys with 13 points or more, and Trey had 23. They had eight turnovers in the third quarter, though. That wasn't great, and there was more of that to come in the fourth. Um, again, rotationally, it was Herter plus the bench at the outset of the fourth. And there was a nice little flurry, actually, from Herter, Lou, and Capella to kind of build the lead a little, a little bit more. And Knox had a couple of nice plays as well. He had a big three in the corner and then blocked a shot in the next possession. It was actually called a foul originally. Nate ended up challenging with Knox coming out of the game, won that challenge. It was a nice help side block by Knox, and it's kind of a reminder of what he could be if everything came together. Obviously, I'm not begging on that to happen, but there's a reason why he was a lottery pick. He's a talented guy and a good athlete. Um, Hawks, were, Hawks, though, were up by 15 with eight minutes left. And uh, that <laughs> from there, it wasn't great, obviously. So they brought Knox out of the game at that point, and honestly, they thought they waited too long to sit Collins. In fact, he sat for 13-plus minutes in the second half with his fourth foul. Yes, he had four fouls, but um, I've been critical of this in the past. Nate, I think, is too cautious with foul trouble. That was the case in this spot. And uh, they actually waited even longer to bring Collins in. Um, they went with a three-guard look with Hunter at the four, which they didn't need to do after Collins sat that long. But they brought Collins back in. By the time he came back in, they were only up by 10. And then Miami had three, had three on the first trip, and it was a seven-point game with 6.30 to go. So a lot of the lead went away in a very short period of time. And then Collins got his fifth foul with 5.40 to go. And again, I think he should stay in the game at that point in time. Yes, he has five fouls. So you have to be a little bit careful. But with under six minutes to go, he's your second-best player. you got to trust him there. I don't really love taking him out of the game. Maybe there was some strategy to it because they used a lot of right. And Miami was playing pretty small. So um, I will say, if you're going to take Collins out – Bringing in DeLon Wright is the correct decision. He was their best available option other than Collins at that point in time. But I still would have ruled with Collins, just my personal opinion. Um, but alas, there you go. A huge swing, actually, that went in the Hawks' favor that ended up being even bigger in retrospect is that when the Hawks were up only eight with 4.30 to go, Bam Adebayo had a 10-footer that I don't know how it didn't go in. It went all the way down and then came back out. And it hurt a three and ended on the floor. So it was a five-point swing. Could have been down, could have been up only six, and suddenly they were up 11 with four minutes to go. So again, up eight, up, sorry, at 16 with about nine, eight minutes to go. Um, nine minutes to go, 15 with eight minutes to go, and then up 11 with four minutes left. And then it got very dicey from there. So uh, Butler hits a jump shot. Trey turns it over. The Heat then got an offensive rebound, hit, hit a three, and it was suddenly a six-point game again and another timeout. So after another break from there, we'll kind of do play-by-play -play a little bit here at this stretch. Um, they, went, they brought Capella back for Okongwu, which was, I think, the right decision. Because Okongwu was fine, but it wasn't fantastic in this game like he was in previous nights. And then they brought Collins back, but not immediately. So uh, Herter missed a jumper, and then Bam had a layup. It was a four-point game with 240 to go. They kind of exchanged baskets for a while there. Trey took a pretty deep pull-up three up by four. That wasn't a terrible look. It's one he takes a lot and makes, but didn't need that one there, I don't think, necessarily. Um, Hunter got called for a foul against Butler that was kind of a soft call. I think it wasn't a terrible call. I think it might have got him in the face, but um, it was at the end of the shot clock and some good defense there from Deion Ray on the hole. But after Butler makes both free throws, it's a two-point game with nine seconds left, and that's obviously a trouble spot. Big, a big play. The next one was Trey finding Capella for a dunk. That was a big shot and a nice pass and finish by uh, both guys. And then Collins just kind of lost Duncan Robinson off the ball. The one thing you can't do there up by four with like a minute to go is give up a three to Duncan Robinson, who's one of the best shooters in the world. So that was a breakdown for sure by Collins. Or maybe that, maybe it's maybe it a switch. Somebody broke down. I think, I think it was probably Collins after watching the play twice after the fact, but um, definitely not, not, not what we want to see there at that possession. Uh, and then they had a very bad possession offensively with a shot clock violation. So suddenly the Heat have the ball down one with 30 seconds to go. 
And now, yes, you're favored, but not by much. Um, and then the biggest play of the game, probably after timeout, the Hawks um, didn't actually got beat a little bit. It was a nice design by Miami and Jimmy Butler, an all-star and a superstar player, misses a point blank layup for the lead. It was a wild swing. It wasn't like an absolute like standstill layup, but that's a shot that he makes 98 out of 100 probably. Um, it's just a huge miss, and uh, everyone looked to be, uh, and he talks about this after the game, everyone looked to be pretty... Uh, I'm not even sure what the word is. Relieved, maybe, that he missed that shot, but it was a it was a bad breakdown, and I can't believe he missed it. He didn't make it though. So um, after that, the Hawks get the rebound. They have to foul Trey with like 11 seconds to go, and he splits the pair though. Trey misses the first free throw. Um, he did miss three in this game, but he still shot 80%, so not totally out of character, but alas. Um, then they got another another gift from Miami, I think, on the last possession. So the Hawks up by two with 10 and a half seconds to go, and Butler ends up taking a pretty tough fadeaway corner three. A nice contest by Collins, who did a good job using his size and um, elevating to get a hand in Butler's face, which Nate pointed out after the game is definitely there on, on tape as well. But Butler is, a, is good at a lot of things. Uh, he's not a good three-point shooter. Um, the design was a little bit strange. It wasn't the worst idea in the world, but the, with where he caught it, where the contest was, Butler is shooting like 24% from three on the season and only taking about one per game. And Miami has guys who shoot threes. You know, I don't have a problem um, from Miami side going for a three there to kind of win on the road right then rather than forcing overtime. But uh, if you're the Hawks, you have to be absolutely thrilled with Jimmy Butler taking a contested, kind of bad three at the gun. Yeah, if he makes it, you lose. And honestly, he almost made it. Um, so that's the other side of it is that you probably lose if it goes in. But uh, a pretty good outcome, all things considered. It doesn't go in there and kind of another gift from, from Miami. And you escape with the win. So uh, obviously we can get into a lot of different things about that sequence, but uh, the Hawks offensively were not good um, in that stretch. The second half, they had 14 turnovers, and that's more than the Hawks average for a full game. So they're about 13 per game. Again, number one, number two in the league, something like that. And they scored, and they committed 14 after halftime. They actually shot the ball well, which we'll get into in a second after the break. But um, if you want to point to something that was the problem in the second half, Defensively, it wasn't fantastic either, but the turnovers really did hurt them big time after halftime, and they were lucky to escape with the win. But still, a third straight victory is nothing to scoff at for the Hawks as they sort of get their mojo back after the early season struggles. And we'll talk about that and much more in a second. But first, a word from our sponsors, and the first of which is Bill Bar. It's the new year, and that means New Year's resolutions are in full swing. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Bill Bar in that plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar and maybe even better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolutions because it tastes so good you'll want to eat it. Unlike protein bars and some other corners of the market that can be chalky or waxy, Built Bar tastes fantastic. Sometimes it's just boring to eat healthy and by week three of eating healthy you might be thinking this is just not worth it. Where is the chocolate? But with Built Bar, every bar is covered in 100% real chocolate. Here's an idea for the new year. Go to all your secret treat stashes on your home or your pantry or in the office or in your car, wherever you might be hiding something sweet. Throw out all that sugary or calorie-filled treats and replace them with Built Bars. So when you're craving a snack or a treat, you can reach for something that's absolutely healthy and tastes incredible with Built Bar. Even if you're not a huge fan of working out, you can at least eat something that tastes good and is good for you. And that way, when you enjoy a delicious Built Bar, you can almost count it as a workout. As always, there are amazing flavors to choose from, from coconut almond to peanut butter brownie, raspberry, salted caramel, milk brownie, and my personal favorite, cookies and cream. And beyond that, Built is always coming out with new limited time flavors. Check out Built.com often to see what's coming up. And right now, you can go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order with Built Bar. That's Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, 15% off your order at Built.com. 
Okay, and we'll close the show out with some takeaways and some individual breakdowns from this Friday night win for the Hawks. And on the whole, it was a 118 offensive rating. That is more than enough to win for Atlanta, even with the uh, ugly fourth quarter, which they only scored 22 points. It was very solid before that offensively. And again, even when banking that in, a good night on, on offense for Atlanta in this game. 56% from the floor, 42% from three, 20 24 off the line. That's all positive and all above average for where the Hawks are this season. 26 assists is a solid number, more like average, maybe a little bit more above that, but still a pretty good passing game overall, except for the turnovers. Again, 14 in the second half, but 18 overall. That is well above their average. And again, they shot well in the second half, but the turnovers just kind of killed them. And then the offensive glass was, again, kind of a nothing for the Hawks. It was better when Capella was out there on the glass overall, but even when he was out there offensively, they didn't have a lot of second-chance opportunities. So something to keep an eye on in the future. As Capella gets back, he'll definitely help that. He's been a force on the offensive glass, but only a Kongwu had more than one offensive rebound in this game. He had zero defensive rebounds. So... The glass has been a problem in the recent days, and the Hawks are usually very good on the glass, just not in the last couple of weeks. Um, from there, we can get into the defense briefly here. A 116 defensive rating, that's not great by any means. They forced 14, sorry, 15 turnovers in the game. That's more than they usually would, so that's a positive. I thought the activity was generally good defensively. Again, I mentioned a second ago, the defensive glass was not was not good in this game, but they held Miami to 12 free throw attempts. That's a big swing in Atlanta's favor, doubling them up at the line in terms of attempts. That's a good thing. But Miami took 17 more shots than the Hawks did. Part of that's free throw attempts, but part of that's also losing the glass and not having a huge edge in the turnover battle. And honestly, you usually lose when the other team has 30 assists and 60% true shooting, which Miami did in this game. So uh, on the whole, was it a good defensive game? I would probably have to say no, but there were some nice stretches, let's say. The perimeter stuff was better. Point of attack, I thought in particular Trey was pretty good. Hunter had some nice moments against Butler. Um, and, you know, the results were pretty good when Capella out there. Okongwu wasn't the same force that he's been recently defensively. Um, but open down the roster, other than like maybe Lou, it was pretty good defensively, I thought. And Miami just kind of made some shots as they are wont to do. But we'll leave it there for now. Uh, to the players in this game. Again, nine-minute rotation, four guys off the bench. We'll start with Kevin Knox, 15 minutes, three points, had a rebound and a turnover, uh, hit, hit a big three, had a nice block. They probably should have been credited with a block. I'm not really sure why he didn't get one because it was overturned, so it should have been a block, alas. Uh, he was plus five. I think he was kind of lost at times, honestly. His defense off the ball was not fantastic, but um, he didn't kill them. And having some minutes there from somebody was important. They had to get something from that spot without, uh, without Gallinari available. I'll be interested to see if they need a wing, whether they go to Knox or they go back to TLC. But at the four, they clearly have uh, at least thought that Knox was a better option. I heard some Hawks fans, uh, saw some Hawks fans on Twitter, I should say, um, asking why it wouldn't be Jalen Johnson. Um, for one, they you know they wanted Jalen, I'm sure, to play a bunch tonight against G League Elite in a nice sort of high-profile spot. Both Sharif and Jalen were down in College Park. But also, you know, Knox is a more proven NBA entity. Does that mean that he's a lot better than Jalen Johnson right now? Maybe not, but, you know, Nate's kind of showed you or at least even told you at times that Jalen's not ready. And I think that Knox, um, while I'm not the biggest fan of what he's been so far in the NBA, he's been an NBA player and you know, there's probably some trustworthiness there. Plus, they, also, they probably also want to see him. You know, they've seen Jalen Johnson in practice. They really haven't had a lot of time or really any time to see Kevin Knox and maybe evaluate him. So something to keep an eye on in the future. But he was uh, not terrible today. He was fine. He didn't do anything huge other than that one stretch where he hit three in the block, but that was a meaningful stretch. So we'll leave it there. 
Lou Williams, uh, 14 minutes, nine points, two assists, no turnovers. Um, Lou took nine shots in 14 minutes. That's a lot of shots. <laughs> but uh, Lou was efficient with them, at least reasonably so, with a point per uh, a point per field goal attempt. That's not terrible, plus the two assists and no turnovers. So I think Lou's been better the last week and a half, two weeks since he's rejoined the rotation. Um, I think he's probably still playing a little bit more than I would want. In particular, I don't like the Trey Lou minutes at all. But in terms of like just a pure 12, 14 minute a game, back up point guard to Trey, it's not the worst idea. It's not bad. I think I'd still like to see Scott Mays at some point, but they have uh, clearly chosen to ride with Lou, and he's been better recently. So, and that includes the night. Uh, DeLon Wright was good. It's kind of not, um, I'm not sure what, what, even, what even the word is. The plus minuses in this game are kind of weird because, you know, Trey ended up minus two. Uh, Wright ended up minus five. Um, and I thought DeLon was notably good, like, especially in the first half. I thought he was, like, kind of game changingly good. Uh, nine points, five assists, had a steal, three rebounds. No turnovers, um, three or four from the floor, one of one from three, two of two from three for a line. And with the make tonight, I think he's shooting 44% from three for the season. Obviously, pretty small volume, and he's not that good of a shooter, but he's been uh, capable, let's just say. And I think DeLon has been backing up what we kind of thought and on the on-offs numbers and all that stuff all season long, but his individual play recently has been quite good, and uh, that's a nice thing for the Hawks because right now he is very clearly their third wing. <laughs> um, so... That's not where I expected them to be coming into the season, but without McDonavich available, they've had Wright kind of playing third wing minutes, and he played he's played 28 minutes in this game on a night when Trey played 36 minutes. So uh, that kind of tells you what they think, and Nate's been crediting him with some of that versatility, and that's definitely the case. He's, he was good in this game. Uh, Capella returns after a six-game absence. Uh, looked fine. Six points, six rebounds, two assists in 26 minutes. Didn't have a block or anything, but rebounded uh, the team's rebounding was better with him on the floor as it almost always is. Um, defensively, they were better with him on the floor in this game. Plus 15, it's probably a little bit misleading, but I think he was a general positive. I'm not sure what his restriction was. It's probably around where he ended up. Um, and we'll see if he starts on Sunday or if he has any more minutes allotted to him. But, um, you know, nice, just nice to have Capella back. And talked about it a little bit on Wednesday, but the um, the overall you know thought that the Hawks could have 48 minutes of center play from Capella and Okongwu is huge. And this being the first game, again, this entire season, where they've had Capella, Okongwu, and DeAndre Hunter all available at the same time, uh, more of that would be helpful for Atlanta. To the starters, uh, John Collins had a good game, but just couldn't get on the floor in the second half. 15 points, 7 rebounds, 2 assists. Did have the five fouls, though, in 24 minutes, but was uh, really efficient. 15 points on nine shooting possessions. That's obviously an excellent ratio. Defensively, he had some nice moments. He had the one uh, bad miss against Duncan Robinson late, but uh, made up for it with the closeout on Jimmy in the corner. And I thought he was pretty good off ball for the most part in this game, and they kind of missed him. I think the drop-off from Collins to Knox on the weak side stuff defensively was pretty notable. And Collins is much better in that area, for instance. Um, you know, I would have, again, played him more than Nate ended up playing him. He could have fouled out if I, under my rush. I'm not saying that's definitely like a foolproof plan, but I think he didn't play enough minutes, even with the foul trouble for me. Uh, Akangwu, as I mentioned before, wasn't like dominant, but was okay. Six points, four, four rebounds, all offensive, which is actually a little bit strange. Um, had a block, three turnovers, um, just kind of an up and down game. Showed some of his youth in this one, but also had a couple of nice flashes as he's always going to have. And uh, we saw that. I think, you know, Capella... Being back in that side-by-side -side gives you a reminder that Capella does things that Okongwu can't, and that's also the truth the other way around. So they complement each other pretty well despite not playing with each other. Okongwu was definitely more mobile. Uh, Capella, more, uh, you know, better rim protector, better rebounder, etc. So those guys, um, you know, very, very, they, they can both be good. Here's a, here's, a, here's a revolutionary thought. They're both good at basketball, so I'll leave it there. 
And then the last three guys on the perimeter all played well. Uh, DeAndre Hunter, 13 points, 10 rebounds. Actually, led the team rebounding. Uh, it's it's not all it's not every day that you see a Hawks team being led by a perimeter guy and rebounding. Not that Hunter is like only a perimeter guy, but he's still playing the three most of the time. And 13 and 10 for him, three assists. Did have a steal as well. Minus nine, but I'm not making too much of that. 5'11 from the floor, one of five from three, so four of six on twos. Got the line for three attempts. I thought Hunter played well. Again, he's been much better after coming back from the injury than he was early in the season, and that's good to see. Um, Kevin Herter had a, had a very nice game, actually. 21 points, four assists, hit five threes to lead the team, uh, including a couple big ones in the second half. Was uh, three of four on twos as well. Very efficient. Had had the four assists, only one turnover, plus three, and uh, played good defense, I thought, on the, on the whole as well. So a nice night at the office for Kevin. And then Trey Young um, got a little bit cold late. He was actually quite efficient early on. Ended up being, still being reasonably efficient despite um, missing nine of 15 shot attempts, but he was uh, two of four on twos, four of 11 on threes. And 12-15 at the free throw line. Again, that's 80%. Even though he missed three, that's not too bad, obviously. Uh, 28.7 assists. Did have eight turnovers. I think a couple of those were actually not on him. Uh, I want to circle a couple of those. Like in the second half, there was one where Kevin Knox was in the wrong spot, etc. That kind of stuff happens. But Trey, that's still more than you would want for Trey. A couple of live ball ones that he probably want back. But it was not his A-plus game, but he also had a couple of really nice flourishes. He was awesome in that third quarter, for instance, when he was chirping with Bam, etc. And uh, the Hawks got enough from him to get the win in this spot. So wrapping up from there on the entire game itself, not an A-plus game from the Hawks by any means, especially when you factor in the fourth quarter. Uh, through three, though, I mean, comfortably in the B-plus or higher range in terms of what the Hawks were actually able to do, they were up double digits for most of the second half against a good Heat team. Yes, not not the Heat with, at full strength, but still a good basketball team that's well-coached, and the Hawks played very well for three quarters. So that's, that's a very strong positive, and also just winning three games in a row. As we talked about last week on the mailbag episode, the Hawks have to start stacking wins. Even if, as I said a number of times on the show, I believe that the Hawks are better than they've been so far this season. I picked them to still make the play-in, um, even you know before this win streak happened, basically, on the show. But they had to start stacking wins. This is a very favorable thing. I tweeted out earlier this week, kind of the schedule for the next two weeks, and it's very favorable. It wasn't like a bunch of automatic wins. You're not playing Orlando every night, but a bunch of home games against teams that they can definitely beat. And this is one of the more tough games on the, on the stretch, and they won it. So... Stacking wins is huge, and just getting on the board with another victory is a big thing for Atlanta, and that kind of leaves you with a positive taste despite the uh, shaky, let's just say, performance in the fourth quarter. Um, At the end of this one, we go to uh, the next game on the agenda is Sunday in Charlotte, the first and really only road game for two weeks for the Hawks after that long road stretch to begin January. They've been home for a while. They're actually at home a lot the rest of the month and into February, but they do have to go up 85 to Charlotte on Sunday, and then it's a two-day break before, uh, sorry, after that, before a home game on Wednesday against Sacramento. So a nice little test against the Hornets. The Hornets are not fantastic, but they are capable of beating you. Their offense is very good, um, and uh, that that should be an up and down battle. The Hawks always have some interesting games when they go when they go up to Charlotte. It feels like. So we'll get into that one when we uh, wrap up the weekend on Sunday evening into Monday. That's a, that's a Sunday night Sunday night tip. Uh, they have some actually some Sunday afternoon games coming up, but this one's an evening game in Charlotte. So keep that. In mind as you look at the Hawks agenda and your schedule planning for the rest of the weekend. All right, that'll do it for me today. And for this week, please subscribe to the podcast. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Also follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Hawks. Follow me on Twitter if you'd like to at BT Roland. Leave five-star reviews if you enjoy the podcast. Please tell your friends as well about the show. And uh, again, my apologies for the audio quality. I'm still on the road, but I should be back hopefully in Atlanta by Sunday. And that will be uh, very nice for me as well as for the quality of the podcast. But uh, forgive that and thank you for your patience as I travel because I just have to sometimes. All right, we'll leave it there for now. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll see you next time.